All right, well, welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words, Redeemer Church's podcast. The purpose of this podcast is really for the pastoral team to have an opportunity to continue to teach and discuss things uh, that we come across in culture and in the Bible. Um, there's so much to talk about, and we don't have enough really outlets for that. So hopefully this is something you find helpful, a service to you. My name is Donovan. I'm one of the pastors here, and today I am joined by Joe Brinkman, who is also one of the pastors. Hi, Joe. Hey, guys. So before we get into the content, what we're going to cover today is really we're going to just keep revisiting this Acts of War and Unseen Realm, the stuff that w- that has come up, and continue to hopefully provide more detail and context for the things we've been teaching. Um, but before we do, just a little introductory time on Joe so people can get to know you. I've known you for about 10 years. And really haven't known you at all. So let's do it now. When I first met you, you it was just you and Steph. You were married. How long have you been married? Going on 12 years. Okay, so you were newlyweds. And you didn't have any kids, so now you have like a pod. Like yeah, a, like a pod have, of squids. We have a pod. Yeah. And uh, so you're like a whole different being, person now. Right. Yeah, so what's that like? It's, uh, it's, it's like, um, I don't know. It's like having kids. It's, it's having four kids, six, eight, or eight, six, four, two. Yeah. It was great having them over the other night and watching them play drums and jump around and be goofy and play songs about farts and poop. What? We were playing that on our Alexa. So. Really? Yeah. They oh. Were, they were corrupting. I just found this <clears throat> out. Kids. So that, that leads me to my next question. I have a series of rapid-fire questions here just to get to know you. Uh, Joe, are you above reproach? I, I'm i uh, Reproach is above me. <laughs> what is reproach? It's kind of like a roach, but with a reap. <laughs> it's a rep. <laughs> Literally, what does that mean? Uh, it must be above reproach. So like Above... Um, <clears throat> rebuke? Above being, I can't think right now. You're on the spot. You know, reproach. <clears throat> it's one of those words we use all the time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Look it up. Literally, let's, what does it mean? Let's define this word. You're going to Google it? Reproach. Is this to approach again? Address someone in such a way as to express disapproval or disappointment. Mm. So nobody should be able to disapprove of me. Right. Well, I guess I'm not above reproach. Okay. You're within reproach. <laughs> All right. Well, so the, the secondary purpose of this podcast will be to disqualify our pastors. <laughs> so, Joe, do you believe in aliens? No. And I don't mean like illegal aliens not or illegal like me. Aliens. Like, like, well, I'm not illegal, by the way. Extraterrestrials? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You don't? Not right now. Is it because you're, um, uh, what do you call it? I'm a, oh, you need proof? Like you're not a man of faith? I think it's because of my um, my doctrine. Really? Interesting. So I tend well, to... I, well, I want to hear more about that. I, I tend to think there are aliens. I have no reason to believe that. You tend to think. I tend to think there are because, <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's just a guess. I wouldn't preach it. But like, man, there's so many galaxies. Like, wow, maybe God made, you know, he's like got a redemptive plan on each in each galaxy and that's what's taking Jesus so long to come back he's like he's working on those other yeah, galaxies yeah yeah incarnating in different forms wow so it's plausible so what about your doctrine prevents that well it's the argument uh, from silence I guess okay no, nothing talks nothing was about ever it, mentioned which is actually a bad argument yeah so do you believe in bananas yeah because I do. the Bible never mentions bananas <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends what you're talking about. <laughs> but I think uh, Michael Heiser doesn't believe in aliens, I don't think. Well, that settles it. So I, whatever he says, I'm good with that. Okay. Good. Uh, are you for open borders? Across now, borders? Across borders. International borders. <laughs> are you for open borders, Joe? I don't even know what that means. Like, like uh, getting rid of international borders, one world... You know, there's no limits on 
who can travel where, just like I can go to Dubuque if I want. There's no border there. Why should there be a border between the U.S. and Mexico? Are you for open borders, Joe? I don't think anybody's really for open borders because look at how we work. Look at how we do things. People build fences. People have lot lines. The doors. Nobody's going to stop doing borders. People have shirts. You know? Right, people have shirts. <laughs> That's a border. That's a <laughs> you can't cross this border without the new my song we sing uh, says that Jesus it passes the border lines of space. Mm. So he's not for open borders. He's, he but he passes the border. He passes the but borders. But it's not that the border is not existent. It's it exists and he passes it. Oh, so how can the you, border lines yeah. of space? Think about so that. That's because he's going to the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> See, there it is. By the way, that's a Bethel song, and I think that's what they're trying to say. He's going to the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like we're on the same page. That's a joke, everybody. Do you think, so Romans 13 says, submit yourselves to earthly authorities, you know, the whole government passage. Do you think that that applies to the UN? Say that again? Romans 13, it's the, you know, classic passage on submitting to earthly authorities, like government, and they're there to bear the sword. Does that apply to the UN? So when the UN condemns the U.S. I don't think anything applies to the UN. So how do you... They do like, whatever they want. No, I mean, for you as a... Oh, I see what you mean. No, no, no. But I mean, for you, do you need to submit to the UN? <laughs> <laughs> I so, don't think the UN wants anybody to submit to them. They're they're only doing what's uh, helpful for everybody. So... No, no, no. When they make law, yeah, yeah. When they make law, or when they, you know, like they condemn the U.S. for its, um, right, its detention centers at the border right now, and what's going on there, and that right, whole right, malarkey. Right, right, right. So the U.N. comes in and speaks and says, "We condemn the U.S. for this." Like, does that should does that, that carry anything? any weight? So, or just as a Christian, when you when you read Romans thirteen, he's submit to authorities. Was that is that the mayor, the governor, is it the president? Like, I is think Christians generally stop at the national. You know, yeah. obviously not if they're telling you to do something against God, but generally we stop at the national level and we have this, uh, mm. Mm, does the UN really have authority to come in and say to the US, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. Like, I do you believe think, in national sovereignty. I, I just go with the acronym. It's the unauthority. The unauthority. <laughs> the UN authority. All right. So un- that's unresolved. It's unresolved. Uh, Joe, who did you vote for? I can't tell you that. Okay, I was just trying to trick you, <laughs> trying to loosen you up with some questions. Um, <laughs> this may give... Uh, would you rather I've been be, disapproved based on yeah. that. <laughs> That's right. Um, would you rather be stranded on a desert island with Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un? Well, Donald Trump, because I don't like foreign people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which is why you want borders. That's another joke, everybody. Oh, 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 would you rather be stranded on a desert island with Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? Um, oh, boy. This is how, I'd he, rather felt. Be, this is how he felt at the I'd love to box. be stranded with Donald Trump anywhere, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Just for the... Entertainment. Fascinating. It's yeah. fascinating, yeah. What church do you least recommend? What church kidding, do I least recommend? <laughs> um, okay, final question before we get into to- the content for today, Joe. I, oh, this unless you really this want to answer that question, this is not the content. Unless you really want to answer that question, <laughs> the church I le- least recommend is uh, Imago Christi. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, how are you stewarding your privilege? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, let's let's uh, identify your privilege first. Yeah, my privilege is to be a son of God. Oh. So I'm stu- I'm stewarding it by inheriting and ruling the nations. <laughs> Is that a blessing to others? Oh, you know it. That's a huge. Oh, Glenn Salzman's calling me during a podcast. I better I better mute this. Yeah. Wow, that's a great question or a great answer. That's good. All right. Well, there it is, folks. Now you know Joe Brinkman. So, the Unseen Realm, follow-up questions. Uh, go back and listen to the first episode of this if you missed it. Uh, we covered some, some ground there. Um, it's interesting to hear people's response to this stuff. It's really varied. Some people really love it. Some people find it interesting. Some people are like, I'm, I'm not quite sure it's good, and yet I'm a little unsettled. And some people have been really uh, unsettled. And so this is what we're trying to do, just follow up with more 
teaching to help, um, what does it help us understand? Um, and so I have a, a couple thoughts, a couple questions that I'd love to just kind of get us going here. Um, during one of the messages, and you pointed this out, um, I mentioned, I was talking about the, uh, the demons, sons of God, basically fallen angels ruling the nations that God had handed them over in Deuteronomy 32, handed the nations over to the sons of God, the sons of God, the fallen members of the divine council have misled the nations. Therefore, all peoples are um, at a penultimately, not ultimately, ultimately they're run by God's sovereignty, but penultimately being misled by fallen angels, demons that are leading them into false beliefs of what's real, worship and all that stuff. And then God's mission is to reclaim those nations from the domain of darkness. Um, so when we talk about nations, well, in that sermon, I was talking about that. And then I mentioned in that same context of conversation, America as a nation. So let's linger there for a little bit. When we say nations biblically, what does that mean? What is the, the root word? How do we think through that? And then... It's a good question, because I think it, it's a natural question from all this discussion. So, nations, you know, when we read the Old Testament, it talks about the nations all the time. You know, for the for his name's sake among the nations, he acts in certain ways, Yahweh does. You know, all nations will be blessed. Nations sometimes, nations. yeah, and sometimes, you know, we haven't mentioned this, and I don't think in any of the sermons yet, but one argument against some of these ideas would be that well, hey, man, nations is just talking about Gentiles. In general. In general. And because that's actually true biblically at times. Sure, there's this distinction. There's the, you and then there's the nations. Yeah, so, the, nations. so yeah. the word for Gentile in Hebrew is goyim. Mm, sounds so Jewish. Yeah. Goyim! <laughs> um, and so... I'm going to have to bleep that out. <laughs> so the... Uh, Sometimes nations just is referring to non-Jews. It's making a distinction between Israel and, and those who aren't Israel. Right. But often it's 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 relating to the idea of every ethno-linguistic people group on the earth. So for example, when he divides the nations in Genesis 30 or in Deuteronomy 32 when it says he when he divided mankind um, it's referring to Babel, which is clearly talking about particular ethno-linguistic people groups. Now, slow down a little bit there and explain it to me yeah. like I'm in the sixth grade. What is ethno-linguistic? So ethno, so the word for nations in the Greek is ethnos, which means, that's where we get our word ethnic, which refers to particular kinds of people, you know? So ethnically, what's your background? Well, you know, I have a little bit from so kind of like race. I'm kind of I'm part Arab, and I'm part whatever else. You know, like so you have different. It's connected to race, but it's a little different than race, right? Race is kind of a sociological term, more than a. What's more even than bro- a, it can be broader because you can, can have a broader. bunch of white people, and it brings in the linguistic portion, which is it's really tied to language. Yeah, and so it, and so that's where Babel gets interesting because Babel is clearly tied to language. That's the whole point of Babel. It's that they're babbling, right? Huh. Well, it sounds like yeah, they're speaking their tongues that aren't understood, right? And so what we um, see is that there's these people groups that are defined by their language. They have different languages, and they're uh, if you look in in Genesis. Um, right after the Tower of Babel incident, it, it goes into what's called the Table of Nations. And uh, you, different scholars disagree, but the, the consensus seems to be that there are 70 nations laid out there, and they each are defined by their language and, their, and then their geographic place. Right. This is where it gets interesting, because then you have... The idea of the nations being being tied to language, their ethnicity, but also their geographic location. Right, and that's uh, in Deuteronomy 32, he fixed the borders right. of the nations according to the number of the sons of God. Like, and, and interestingly, if you think that's just an obscure passage, you're wrong. Oh, gosh. Because... <laughs> 
<laughs> Acts 17, Paul brings it up in Acts 17 at the uh, at his speech at the Areopagus or Areopagus, however you want to say it, in in Athens, and he's talking about how God fixed the borders of mankind. And he talks about the origin of humanity. Let's look that up. Yeah. Let's actually... Uh, Let's actually reference the Bible and stuff. Yeah, so if you look at Acts 17, it's a famous passage for contextualization, the idea of making the gospel relevant in a particular context. But in it, he's actually referring to the Old Testament. So if you look at verse... Um, starting in verse... Ooh, 26, really. 26. And he's going on about um, who God is and how he made mankind, and he gives to life, life and breath and everything to mankind. In verse 26, he says, And he made from one man, Adam, every nation, ethnos. That's the Greek word there, ethnos. Every ethnos of mankind. So every ethno-linguistic people group of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Right. And so some Bibles will have a footnote in there that it, he's referring to Genesis or uh, Deuteronomy 32 when he quotes that. So he's, he's, God has allotted the boundaries of the dwelling place of these people groups. Why? That they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us, and he keeps going. So Paul refers to that idea of Deuteronomy 32, where God creates the boundary places for these nations. But that creates a problem for us because we've come a long way since Babel. Right. In terms, terms of migration and dominate, inter, intermarrying. And, uh, empire building all this stuff this is right so clearly god didn't he didn't know that was going to happen right right and so we don't really need to think about it anymore and uh, we can move on yeah well hopefully he'll listen to this podcast and uh we'll get him up to speed right so the issue then is right who how do we today understand the principalities and powers over particular nations. nations right because so rewind a little bit <clears throat> the way we use nations today is more socio-political it's ge ge <clears throat> excuse me it's still geographic boundaries there's still to a great extent and you know if, if you um look within national boundaries uh there's still dominant uh ethnos or ethno-linguistic people groups like in the U.S., it would be Anglo-Saxon, you know, but there's a lot. There's been mixed in there. You have Germanic peoples. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, you have people that have come from the Africa uh, subcontinent. You have people that have come from the Middle East. And, and now it starts to get really shuffled. And it, it's also complicated by the fact that over time, languages get lost. Right. One dominant people group takes over a region, whatever, violently or through whatever just... Social, social advance and other peoples get absorbed into that and they lose their language, their heritage, and they become absorbed. So maybe you could do a DNA test and go back and see that you actually have divergent, you know, um, histories ethnically, and yet you are similar in color, similar in culture, similar in language. So it's just gotten really complicated. So in that context is where I've set, you know, where then I come out and say, you know, the nations are subject to demons. And then I go, and America is not uh, an exception. Technically, the way the Bible uses ethnos, that's not a proper way to express that. Right. Um, but what I mean to say is that I believe all power structures, all people groups, however they may be organized now ethno-linguistically, apart from the, you know, the church is not, is not a political power. The church is not, it may have had, it may can grow and in influence in different places historically, um, but it's not a political power. Those political powers, I would say, are subject to the world, the prince of the power of the air, and right. are ultimately 
penultimately, but what I mean by that is, you know, as a Calvinist, we've got ultimately runs everything. Right. So he's not blind to that. He's ordaining that. Penultimately, they are under demonic uh, influence. Right. Right. The U.S. Congress, the House of Representatives, Mexican, the Mexican presidency, all of these political powers are not the church. Right. They are not in willing submission to and pursuing the glory of God in the face of Christ. That is not what they're doing. Right. Um, so that's that can be offensive to people. Mm-hmm. For me to say the United States is demonically influenced. Is that offensive to you, Joe? No, it's relieving. <laughs> you remind me of your dad. I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's just like absurd. <laughs> Why is that relieving? It's relieving because it re- it's it's no longer about. Can, is it up to us to make things great? Make America great again? It's no longer up to us. It there's a there's a bigger battle going on, and whose hands is it ultimately in? In Yahweh's, in, in God's hands, and He's using us and working through His people to to reveal Him to the nations, and and it's not about well, can we can we reform a society from the top down? The the they've been. The societies have literally been handed over to evil. And Maybe that's what we should say from now on. Instead in, of the nations have been handed over, the societies have societies. been... Societies... <laughs> we make it even more complicated. Even more complicated. But the idea, the idea is, is, is that we're not trying to make a nation or a society into some type of uh, utopic place, Right. We can rest, it's both resting in the fact that God, God is over all this. He has ordained all these things, including evil. And though, though it causes you know, trouble and there's harm going on through uh, our governments and through institutions, and, you know, which we don't, we don't love that, but we do love the idea that God is he's working something through it, even the evil that's in it. Yeah. And and so the fact that yeah there's principalities and powers over even the U.S. the U.S. in some way shape or form yeah maybe they team up you know that's what you, know, that's, you don't know how that works but you know you could imagine some something like you know you've got a particular uh, son of God over this nation a particular son of God over this nation over the time the decks get shuffled they make deals they yeah. share power they yeah. they trade off like just like just like on in an earthly sense you know these things begin to overlap and get complicated and right. You know, and it and it helps. You know, why am I relieved? I'm relieved because I'm not. I'm no longer fighting flesh and blood. Wouldn't that be easier? Wouldn't that, would, that be more relieving? It, no, then we just that's, shoot some that's people. That's hard. It's up to me, and it's and it's always about what can you do to make sure you know. Oh, oh. Society looks more like you, and is more nice, and is more godly, and. You know, we're we're losing the culture wars, and what are we going to do? What are we going to do? That's so, it's so uh, laborious, it's so weighty, as opposed to, you know what? There's there's a there's a greater battle going on, and I, it's subject to God's rule. Yeah, and He is He is working in me in ways that may not reveal themselves. Uh, it may not look victorious. It may not look victorious yes. on the outside. You know, sometimes the only thing that remains seems all for naught. Right. And yet it's not. You know, God is working and he's forming and transforming. And um, I think that's good news. I think there's a beauty to that. So really, this is just a way for you to soothe yourself to sleep at night in yeah. spite of your <laughs> <It's> apparent <my laughs> failures. Yeah, that's, that's what you it know, is. You know, your marriage is falling apart. You've <laughs> lost your job. Everybody hates you. But you're like... Man, God is working through this. You know what else it is? I was talking to somebody as it relates to pornography. Okay. Let's, let's go there. Yeah. How does thinking this way change the way you think about sexual immorality? All right. Let's I go. Would, by the way, I'd include pornography and sexual immorality. Ooh, what else would you include? Um, lots of things. 
Well, let's make a short <laughs> list in case people are confused. Any kind of lusting. I mean, it all goes towards this realm of... Any kind of lusting? <laughs> I'm lusting after this phone. Yeah. Um, well? <laughs> any what what? How does what we're talking about with the unseen yeah, realm yeah, yeah. Come on. play into this? It's not just, oh, I'm morally giving in to something that's contrary to law that I claim to follow. All right, all right. It's saying I am giving allegiance to the principalities and the powers against which I am to have victory. Yeah, you're having fellowship with them. I'm fellowshipping with demons over which I am destined to rule, uh, actually replace. Mm. That's that replacement theology. Why does this... Paul talks about this in in 1 Corinthians 6 when he talks about prostitution. And he says, one who is united with a prostitute is is united in, in, in spirit. But who are you? To do that, when you are the temple of God, Mm. can the temple of God be united with unrighteousness? No. He's saying that doesn't make sense. You can't, that does, ultimately, and I think there's sanctification. It's an abomination. It's an abomination, and and it doesn't connect. Why? Because this is what we... What do you mean it doesn't connect? The idea, like, it does, it's, it's one of those where you, it can't be. Mm. The holiness of God cannot mix with it's, unholiness. Yeah, it's a mirage. If you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you are as a believer, mm-hmm. ultimately, can that does that mingle with unrighteousness? It's impossible. It's impossible. Now, we have this already not yet, though, where right. we're being sanctified, oh. continual, ongoing sanctification. So that portion of you is being suppressed and kind of put in a closet, if you will. Right. And then the... The flesh, the remaining right. indwelling sin is what you're well, is like, what's mingling. It's like John in first John saying, you know, he who keeps on sinning can't be a can't be a believer, can't be a child of God. And we're like, oh no. Well that means we have to be perfect. Well, we have to understand what how they're talking about sanctification and how they're talking about ultimate truth and reality as a way to expose your sin. Yeah. Hey, if this is who we actually are, sons of God, they don't do this. You know, that's constantly how the letters of the New Testament are written. There's no one who is, a, who is an idolater or sexually immoral or will inherit the kingdom of God. Plus the dogs will be outside. The dogs will be outside. Yes. And we read that, and it, you can read it and say, oh, no, that means none of us are going to be in the kingdom of God. Or you can read it and say, I, well, that means I need to attain that. I need to not do any of those things, which is, I think, for most of us, we realize that's pretty hard to do. So how do you read it? So you read it in the sense of you are made righteous in Christ. It's the indicative versus the imperative. I know those are big words, but... Explain it to me like I'm in the first grade. Like you're in the first grade. This is who you are, therefore be that way. You are righteous, therefore pursue righteousness. Yeah, act, uh, be unleavened as, what does Paul say? As you are unleavened. Miss Corinthians, I can look that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this Live is reality. Now be that way. Now how do we know what reality is? We see it. And that's why we talk about the eyes of our hearts being enlightened to know the hope of our calling, to know the incomparable riches of his inheritance in and in, in the saints and given to the saints. So there's this idea of we're constantly having our eyes open to more of the reality of who we are. Right. In in Christ. All that goes into the idea of when when things like pornography come up in our in in our lives how does that connect to these the principalities and powers and the evil in general immorality is part of the way that these principalities and powers control humanity right they've they've perverted the truth of sex in this case and they've twisted it to be something that that veils God mm. instead of reveals God mm. and so when you're when you treat it that way in all kinds of perversions you are you are agreeing with evil you're yeah. saying you're, you're partaking 
in evil yeah. that's contrary to actually who you are in Christ. I think there's something in there that's that's helpful because it's saying, as we think about, you know, these powers over the nations and power, I think sexuality is a way that is every culture has some perversion of sexuality right. manifested. And I think it's sometimes in different ways to greater or lesser degrees in certain things. Sure. I, you know, you go to Thailand. I lived in Thailand for a year and a half. There's this particular way that sexuality is being manifested there that is not the way it's being manifested here. Right. And is it worse there? No, it's just a different form and to a different degree in that form in the way it's expressing itself. For instance, you can't go anywhere in a given day without running into somebody who is transgender. Now in Cedar Rapids, you, you, you know, if you run into somebody that's transgender, it's kind of a surprise. Right. In Thailand, it's a normal thing because it ties into a lot of their history and a lot of their religious thought. And, but it's all a manifestation of some perversion of sexuality. And if you're giving into that at any level, it's agreeing with that, and with the principalities and the powers and the rulers in how they are seeking to control a people. Yeah. So that's just a practical application of what we're talking about when yeah. we say, how are they ruling the nations? What does that look like? Sure. Um, that's good. I hear, so what really ups the ante, like one of the things that really increased my uh, disinclination toward pornography was when I learned about the amount of uh, human trafficking that is involved in it. And so it's like, you know, it's, which let me just state it, there is a lot, there is an, you just don't, if you watch porn, you're at some point participating in helping fund, helping uh, propagate human trafficking, which includes literal kidnapping, captivity, drugging, co uh, coercion, abuse of, vi of victims. So you're participating in that. That how in me went, oh, this is worse than just like, ah, I just want to get off. And I was like, what this takes it to another level. Well, it's not just that, but there's also participation in the demonic realm. Like you're not alone, right? You are right. This, this is it's even worse than that, or imbued with that, or whatever. So, yeah, it should be it should be scary. It's not just like oh, it was five minutes of my life or whatever, thirty minutes, whatever. It's like eh, and it's gone. It's in the morning. Like no, no, no. Those things linger. Like you become what you behold, right? Who, who you participate and build commonality with starts to sh shapes who you are. You shapes your thoughts going forward shapes your thoughts throughout the day shapes your thoughts um you know you're not a blank slate every every morning like you know one of the great encouragements i have in the faith is that um you know if i don't do my morning devotion am i worthless to god like well no because i am the summation of everything that that he's been doing over with me in the last 17 16 years like and there's this progression that the things that i dabble in the things that i mingle with the things that i participate in fellowship and shape me become help me become who I am the converse of that is the same with sin pornography whatever it is it's shaping you it isn't just like well I just took a break in the day for that and now it's gone forgotten about I'll go back to like no 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 this ongoing right. um, shaping of your thoughts your affections your desires your impulses your what your values what you consider important it's there and I think people know it they, they can feel it some some people are less sensitive to that right well, there it is. So the the nations. Okay, so then, should you vote? Why not? If you're voting for like, okay, so if the demons are in charge, and you know the at the hierarchy of the society is you know those that are most misled, maybe or I guess maybe some John the Baptist could make it to the ballot or whatever. Like, um, right. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I'd like to hear you flesh that out. Like, why not? You know, one argument could be, what's the point? You're just choosing one evil over another. Like, it's all like ruse. It's a game. Like, who cares? Like, um, well, I, you're right. And obviously, God cares when we read Romans 15 and we talk or 13, talking about submitting to the authorities. Okay. You know, there's a purpose in it. Says God has established them. All right. 
So again, if we see that God has established even the principalities and powers, surely mm. He has mm. established the rulers in the physical okay. realm, in the in people, the presidents, and you know, you name it. And does it mean they are God's man, so to speak? No, it means not any more than Kim Jong Un is. Right, right, because God God has appointed them. It doesn't mean that then they are they have the stamp of approval in righteousness. It means that he has ordained that they would be in this role for particular purposes that you may not even see or know, but you respect the position. You know, it's interesting that God even uh, speaks that way in in Jude. Jude talks about not speaking against rebellious principalities, that even Michael didn't speak a word against the rebellious principalities. He says to blaspheme the holy ones. To blaspheme the holy ones. And in, this is in Jude... Uh, like 8 or 9. Yeah, 8 or 9. And why does it say that? Well, I think there's something there be, about respecting what God has put in place, even if it's evil. And I think about David and Saul. You know, David respects the place of Saul and does not kill him when he could have. Mm, yes. And why does he, he... The reason he doesn't kill Saul is he says... Who am I to touch the Lord's anointed? And he shows Saul the piece of his garment that he had cut off while he was sleeping. And he could basically saying, I could have easily killed you, Saul, but I didn't. Because who am I to touch the Lord's anointed? Okay, okay, okay. So then, are you against assassination? Oh, gosh. (laughs) So, now we're going. So, Hitler, you have a chance. Yeah, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You find him mowing the lawn. No one's around. <laughs> he's mowing the lawn. He's got, he's got like soundproofing head things on. I saw a guy doing that in my neighborhood. He had these, I forget what they're, you know, these, these ear muff things. Yeah, you to, could get it behind him. Yeah. And I'm like, how him. loud is your mower, dude? Like, all right. So whatever. And you can just, and you, as you always are, are rolling with your nine milli tucked in your waistband. And you have an opportunity, man. You reach up and you touch his robe. He's well, in a, he's wearing let's a robe. Make, let's, uh, you know, I got myself into this mess here now, but let us make a distinction. All right. Between the kings of Israel and the, and the kings of the rest of the earth. Okay. I think there is a distinction in part. All right. Why? Because Israel is God's portion. Okay. They ask for a king and God gives them a king. All right. And that king is pointing... This this kingship in particular yeah. in Israel of God's portion sure. in, a, in a unique way is in a unique way pointing to a Messiah. All right, and then David is the main king. Right, that they, that then points to Messiah. Is that true for any other ruler? No. So Hitler, but, you got to go ahead. But we still have Romans where Paul says any authority sure. has been put in place by God. Right. So. It's an ethical issue, right? Yeah, so you, you got to respect the position, Hitler's position, but you can still pop him in the head. <laughs> you know, but with all due respect. <laughs> with all due respect. Click, click, boom. So I don't know. I think that's an ethical issue. It's a tough that, one. That's a tough one. Because God does raise, you know, he puts these rulers in, and then he takes them out. And the that's question correct. is, he, is that your role? He does. He takes them out. Yeah, so I don't know. You know, he that was Dietrich, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? Was This is one of the issues that, that came up in his life was whether or not it was appropriate right. to uh, uh, coordinate, collaborate in the assassination of Hitler. Right. Right. So, big questions. You've got to think about these things because any moment it could become relevant. Well, and, and to a degree, you know, just to make it more close to home, how do we talk about our president? Yeah whether it's Barack Obama or Donald Trump, you know, because I think everybody's guilty of speaking against our president in some way, whether it was Obama or whether it was Trump. Blaspheming the holy ones? Well, he's not a holy one. He's not a a, a divine council member, but they are rulers put in place by God. How do you, you can critique them, I think, but how do you, but do you lightly mock their, their person? Right. No. I think that's foolish. Well, even just generally, I mean, apart from what their position as a power, I mean, James talks about, right, out of 
the same mouth we bless God and then curse humans that are made in the image of God. Right. So there's that's that's different. It doesn't mean you're nuancing here. Like we can say, you can critique a, a parent, a uh, an employer, a pastor, and mm-hmm. say uh, this isn't. Yeah, I disagree I with this. Uh, yeah, here's why. But where do you get over into cursing their image? Right. You know, and and saying they should never have been in this position. Ooh. Oh, really? Donald Trump should never have been in this position. So all that to say is, Watch out. is Trump is God's man. I absolutely believe yep. that and God so is sovereign. And so was Obama. So was Obama. And if Elizabeth Warren wins, she'll be God's man. <laughs> That's God's Indian. God's Indian? God's Native American. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you can't call them Indians, man. Um, we just totally ruined our credibility. Yeah, it's all down the... This won't be on NPR. I'm trying to think what a... So, so we were we were talking about then over the nations, you know. Has God uh, sovereignly put rulers in place? Yes, and and should you respect that? Yes. And and even to the and and then above that, the the principalities, the spiritual beings that are ruling the nations, should you even respect that? Yes. Oh, Joe. This is what Jude is. Judas talking. About? This is what Jude is getting at. Now, does that mean you respect evil? No, you respect the role it plays, which at the end of the day comes down to respecting the rule of God that He is doing what is best. That's right. It's best. Think this is a real earthly analogy. So, I, um, well, I'm a parent and I have views on parenting. And over the years, I've watched other people parent. And in in healthy ways, I've thought, mm, that's not good. And then in proud ways, I've thought, you know, I've cursed them in my heart. They shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't be doing that. One of the things that has actually really helped me is the belief that God put them there as those children's parents, not me. So in other words, God determined it would be best. I wouldn't be a better parent for that kid. It would be worse if I was their parent. And that's, it's freeing. He says relieving, like God ordained this parent-child relationship and it's the best thing. It's the best option and that's, and I can glorify God in that. So uh, hopefully that carries over the analogy is that it's similar. Like I don't, yeah, maybe there's issues there and issues with how they parent. There's issues with how I parent. But at the end of the day, it's not, I didn't choose that. I didn't elect, I don't know what's best. I don't, I, if God gave me the keys and said, okay, you pick who gets who, which parents. <laughs> you, you pick who is ultimately in, uh, running countries and nations and you pick, principalities and power like it really does come down to trusting god is good he's made the best decisions what's at the end of the day it's it's sovereignty calvinism you know like god is good god is king he he raises up these kings and and he then he tears them down right and uh and some crazy stuff happens through that right but ultimately you can rejoice and rest in it and i think one of the one of the ways that practically plays out is if you view it that way you're joining with god in his rule and in his plan, you're not acting as some agent that came to do something apart from God, but that looks like God. So you're like working to do stuff in society to make it better for God. You know, that's one way to view it, which I think is wrong. It's like, well, I'm going to, I, as a, as a steward here, I'm going to make sure my city looks good and is righteous and I'm going to fight for what's good in my city and I'm going to transform it and I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do and it reflects well on the kingdom of God. Because you see it as, you know, this is my role. As opposed to, and what does that usually lead to? A lot of action, a lot of social justice, a lot of, but what doesn't it always lead to? It doesn't lead to actually knowing the will and the heart of God particular to a situation 
You've taken a general truth that God desires righteousness and you've run with it to implement it in your society. But what if God is currently speaking and currently inviting you into being with him as he extends his glory among the nations and you are hearing him and discerning in the moment and with the community called the local church how he's working in your life and in your city and in your situation because you know that he is sovereignly ruling over all things even the 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 evil things that you see in your in your city for example and the answer is not always so immediately clear on what to do you have to hear from him you have to be you're with him in what he's doing think about what well, makes me think of well the prophets that heard from god and they seek righteousness and then god said okay i'm progressing history here i'm moving history forward to reveal my glory and righteousness and the way i'm going to do it is i'm going to raise up the chaldeans mm-hmm. and you know the, which is basically babylon we're going to come in and there's going to be some crap going down in jeremiah and ezekiel because they see this they're, they're not rallying israel to take down babylon that's not what they're saying. They're not saying take up arms. Right. The the you know the corrupt are coming. They're saying God is sending judgment. Right. So I don't know if that's maybe an example yeah, it's of an kind example of what you're of the of the you know the plot being twisted so to speak. Yeah. And you wouldn't see it if unless you were hearing him that's and right. seeing his heart. That's right. Now we're not saying like anything's up for grabs. There's clearly scripture calls us to live certain ways and to 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 rejoice in what's good. I'm not saying, you know, you're going to join some odd Antifa weird movement because God said to. But it's just complicated. It's it's but it's more complicated, but this is why prayer how do we judge so to speak? How do we judge how we're doing? Well, how much do we pray? Not how much do we do, but how much do we pray? How much are we hearing from him? If this is a spiritual war, then how much are we engaged with God in prayer to hear and to know and to, 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 to better be obedient than to what he's actually doing instead of just doing the things we think we should do. Yeah. And honestly, you know, let's take the LGBT issue. An example there would be, hey, well, I know what's right. I know what Romans 1 says, so I'm just contrary LGBT all day long, and I'm just going to bring the hammer, and I'm just going to say what's true, and I'm going to preach what's right. Well, yeah, we know that this lifestyle is an example of perversion, and yet maybe God would have you do some things and have form friendships and, and have a way to seek understanding with LGBT communities that you wouldn't otherwise have thought would have been... It's LGBTQ, by the way. Right. Your figures you, you, behind. You otherwise wouldn't have thought was permissible. I'm not saying to start, you know, supporting it. I'm just saying ways that you can relate to Most culture. Like Jesus did. Right. Because why? Because you're actually hearing and following God in, in what you're doing. You're not just following a certain a code. code. But anyway. That's good. All right. So um, we'll probably be able to pull off another one of these follow-ups on uh, Acts of War, Unseen Realm. I've got a few other issues um, and uh, if you have things you'd love us to talk about in this regarding this series, or uh, really any other questions, podcast topic ideas, feel free to to message me. Uh, but I think that's about the time we have for today. We want to keep these under an hour. Um, we could get going forever, right? Let's keep going. So um, again, thanks for tuning in. Hope hope this has been fruitful for you. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen we appreciate your participation and mission and fellowship with us at redeemer it really is a joy being here with you so joe any final brief thoughts to send people off or is that it well just to recap real briefly yes so the nations we started talking about the nations yeah and how do we decipher what's a nation yes is it geographical is it linguistic ethnic and i think I think that's not always extremely clear when it comes to the principalities and powers and who do they rule and how do they do it. And so I think what we're saying is there's there's a mixture going on, especially as history has unfolded with inter, 
intermingling and you know migration of peoples but there still remains particular rule over both geographic and ethno-linguistic peoples and uh, nations that I think if we looked at society and our lives we would so see what? that so what yeah so what so great thanks so what how does that impact how I I was kind of winding this down, but now I'm asking you a big question. Okay, there's particular rule in rain or geographic, ethno-linguistic. So what? What is that? What do I do? How does that influence the way I follow God on mission? Well, I think it's interesting that I think, like I was saying with prayer, it, it, it teaches you how to pray. It teaches you where the battle is, that it's not just a generality, but there's specifics to evil and how God would put you in the fight against it, like in Ephesians chapter 6. You know, we're fighting against these rulers and principalities. And it, it informs, to know this, informs, I think, how we, how we pray and how we perceive being on mission. Yeah. And yeah, how, I to, think, how to pick our battles. Yeah. You can pray for individuals. You can pray for... I think it influences, yeah, prayer... Maybe you don't know names, but you know as you look out a, on a people group that you are, uh, you know, taking the gospel to that to pray at that level to ask God to move to speak against those. I mean, there's stories out there about that kind of right. uh, approach to mission, and and it raises your discernment level too. You know, where are you seeing things creep in, even to the church? You know, the churches in particular countries or or peoples can be prone to the evils of that particular place. And yeah. so the theology, you can discern mm. theology. You can discern, oh, where's this seemingly getting off, and why is it getting off? Real real quick, I think one helpful example might be Native American communities in the United States. A lot of people that I've talked with and, and that I've seen over the years agree that you go to a, a reservation, and there are particular, some people call them the strongholds, yeah. There's particular evils yeah. that are particular to that people. Yeah, and almost that it becomes a caricature. Yeah, it's like they're always drunk. There's a high suicide rate. I mean, anybody that's been on a reservation or worked in those communities typically see would see that. Mm. And the question is, why is it particular there? Why, why are the numbers so high? Why, is, why are the proportions so high among that population? And... I think there's something to be said for what we're talking about here. Yeah, and it's not just uh, uh, history and culture that has led to that. It's that has been manifested by and through particular uh, principalities and powers and strongholds. Right, so that can affect how you pray. Right, so imagine going to work among them in a ministry and ignoring that. Yeah. Well, it's it's foolish. Yeah. Good. Okay, so there it is. Don't be fools. That's the final takeaway. Thank you. We will. Talk to you next week.